Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark featuring Trustmark Deposit Express, ATMs for business and personal banking. No deposit slips, no envelopes, no waiting. Most deposits made by 9 p.m. weekdays credited that day. Details at trustmark.com, member FDIC. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, June 8th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Mississippians will see new health department guidelines for STD screenings. How will it affect the community? Hear from the CEO of the Mississippi Delta Company that will be the first to launch a new brand of Trump hotels. After receiving low ratings, the Gulf Coast Veterans Health Care System is working to improve access. And researchers are gathering today to discuss Mississippi's need for progress and the strong workforce necessary to make it happen. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB. Think Radio. July 1st will be a day of change at the Mississippi State Department of Health, like many other state agencies. After significant budget cuts, many have plans to reduce the workforce and streamline services. The health department has announced it will begin charging Mississippians $25 to receive HIV or STD tests. The tests were previously available for free. The change follows a rise in the number of sexually transmitted diseases across the state. Reports from the Department of Health show more than 500 people were diagnosed with HIV in 2015 and cases of syphilis have nearly tripled. The rates of such infections in Mississippi are among the highest in the country. Deja Abdul-Haq is with My Brother's Keeper. She tells MPB's Alexis Ware, charging for the tests could be detrimental. Charging for testing, so it doesn't criminalize people living with HIV, it does isolate those that are living with HIV and those that are not, because it just cuts everyone off from the knowings. The community deserves the right to know why the decision was made. And ultimately, if the Department of Health has some type of alternative option for communities. What are your concerns now that the screening will no longer be free? If we were dealing with a state that had a a high per capita income, then a discussion about how do people come up with $25 to get such a vital service, then it would be a non-issue. But for the most part, there are lots and lots of families that are already trying to make decisions. So if there's someone who wants to know what their status is as it relates to HIV and other STIs, the only way for you to know your status is to be tested. The only way for you to take measures or or, or execute measures that would prevent the transmission of HIV or any other STIs is to know. So it's just creating another layer of burden on an already stressed community. And how do you think this is going to affect efforts that are already in place to increase the amount of people who are getting those regular tests? Recently, the Department of Health has spoken about 
the increase in syphilis rates. They've practically tripled. The only way for a person to know if they have syphilis or HIV or any other STI is to be tested. So if the Department of Health knows that we are dealing with increased rates of STIs and HIV, but the response is to stop testing, then the only thing that we can expect is increased rates of STIs and HIV because more people will be disconnected from the option of knowing. So there are organizations that are still providing the free screenings, but if the Department of Health is not immediately letting people know that we don't offer them for free, but there are other people that do, then someone may be in a position where they believe that the only way I can get this test is to have, 50, I mean, $25, and I don't have it, so I just won't have the test. There's a large number of persons that don't know that they are positive. That's already a part of the epidemic. Now we're going to increase that number of not knowing by not providing free access to testing and prevention opportunities. Who will be most affected by these changes? Households that are living at or below poverty levels. Again, this is a, a capital issue. This is a money issue. This is not even about compassion or prevention or science. This is all about money. So again, the people that don't have the resources won't have the quality care. It's like we're creating this society that if you can't afford quality care, you shouldn't have access to it. If the long-term goal is to eradicate HIV across the nation, there has to be some type of focus on the lack of focus on HIV prevention in Mississippi, and particularly in Jackson. What does it say about any potential health disparities? Right now in the state of Mississippi, most underserved or overlooked communities are communities of color. So, yes, I do believe that reducing access to quality care or prevention for families with reduced or no income is going to continue to fuel the epidemic in underserved communities. So moving forward, what can you hope could be a positive outcome for this? Well, I think the first way to get to a positive outcome is to properly educate the public about the decisions that our leadership makes on behalf of the people. And again, I do believe that there was a decision that was made and maybe a sacrifice even that was made when the Mississippi State Department of Health decided to stop pre-testing. The people deserve to know what's your alternative. Are you going to direct um, the public to these other organizations that are providing free testing? There has to be some level of prediction by the State Department of Health. They have surveillance data that trends. So there has to be someone that has decided that once we stop the free testing, these are the proposed outcomes. But in the meantime, we all still have an individual responsibility to always be tested. Just because the State Department of Health is not offering free testing, that does not mean that free testing is not being made available. We're just not going to be able to get it from the Department of Health at this time. Deja Abdul-Hawk is with My Brother's Keeper. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thank you for having me, Alexis. In a statement from the health department, Liz Charlotte says they will continue to provide free STD and HIV testing for people 18 and under and people who are identified as contacts of an STD or HIV. Health department clinics will offer a sliding scale for people unable to pay for the tests. Coming up, hear from the owner of a Mississippi Delta hotel chain gaining national attention. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. 
You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The Mississippi Delta will be the new backdrop for a Trump Hotel expansion. Mississippi-based Chawa Hotels is the first company in the nation to partner with the Trump Organization to launch a new mid-scale line of hotels called America American Idea. The partnership will produce a new upscale facility called Scion in Cleveland. The franchise agreement will include remodeling three existing Delta hotels. Dinesh Chawla is CEO of Chawla Hotels. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier about the agreement. What we have done is entered into an agreement. Uh, One is with uh, the Trump Hotel Company as a managing partner uh, in our hotels. It's a hotel management agreement, and that is for one hotel. It's called the Scion Hotel. We hope to open it in Cleveland by the end of 2017 or early 2018. Uh, The other is three franchise agreements, and um, those are for hotels to be that we are already in existence, but will be very heavily renovated and rebranded. And those are located in Clarksdale, Mississippi, Cleveland, Mississippi, and Greenville, Mississippi. The franchise model works a little differently. We'll still be um, operating those hotels ourselves, but with Trump rules and guidelines and the um, Scion Hotel, which is the full service, it's the much bigger investment, they'll be operating the property uh, in consultation with us. The uh, location for both brands, out of all the cities in America they could have picked, uh, they picked the region of the Mississippi Delta. So I've actually stayed at Trump Hotels in uh, New York and Las Vegas. Uh, I've had impeccable service, great experiences every time. My main reason for going to their hotel in Las Vegas was it was a 100% non-smoking facility, and you don't get that a lot in Las Vegas. I was really bowled over by the level of professionalism that they offer. To be able to transplant those resources on in terms of operational skills, interior design, service standards, and bring it to the Mississippi Delta is going to knock some people's socks off, I think. So how did this come about? How did you hear about this opportunity? The Trumps. Eric and Don Jr. were looking to develop a new brand because they felt uh, the luxury brand was bringing in good returns and so forth. But in their travels across America, not just Mississippi, they had to travel to a lot of small towns. And they realized that they had been overlooking vast swaths of investment potential throughout America. So out of the blue, they called us in March of this year and said, hey, we have this idea for a product that would really work well in small-town America, and we also are interested in your project that you're currently working on. And our project was the Lyric Hotel and Spa. And they said, we would like to consider that hotel to be part of our new brand called the Scion. We said, okay, that sounds great. Who's going to say no to the Trump family? And uh, we realized that 85% of our objectives matched 85% of their objectives. And we said to each other, you know, this still would be an incredible boost to us because we think we have a model that would be profitable in three to five years. So uh, one thing led to another. We had a 45-minute call the next day, and suddenly we were flying up to New York and we consummated the deal. You said that you did meet uh, President Trump's sons, but you didn't deal with them. We met with Trump Hotel Corporation CEO, the senior vice presidents, and all the top-line people on construction, design, 
architecture, their legal people, and so forth. The family itself did not meet with us except at sort of bookends. Will anything change as a result of this agreement? Quite a bit will change. Um, First of all, the operational control goes to them. I become an advisor rather than the CEO. And I guess more appropriately, you could say I'm, I'm more of the chairman of the board rather than the CEO of the property now. They're bringing incredible resources to the table. The economic impact, I would say conservatively, we could add 10 to $15 million in frontline income to the local economy every year. And the sales tax, that's going to be spent locally by the uh, communities that uh, receive that. The uh, added income for people who are working, you know, we're going to employ about 100-something people. And we're not just focusing on Cleveland, Mississippi. We're hoping to make this a regional resource. So all the cities of the Delta, uh, we hope that they'll be able to to attract people as visitors. We're looking forward to hearing good things about the economic impact that it will have. Well, thank you. Chawla also says the initial connection with the Trump brand was made by his father in an ambitious phone call nearly 30 years ago. Coming up, after receiving low ratings, the Biloxi VA is working to improve access for veterans. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Veterans on the Gulf Coast may soon see better access to services. Leaders at the Gulf Coast Veterans Health Care System are taking corrective actions to improve the network. This comes after Veterans Affairs Secretary David Shulkin reported that 14 VA medical centers have a one-star rating or below standard level of care. The Gulf Coast VA system is one of those 14 VA medical centers. They met for a roundtable discussion Wednesday to lay out their action plan. Dr. Christopher Saslow is Acting Medical Center Director. He tells MPB's Evelina Burnett what the one-star rating means to them. The one-star rating is a reflection of what is considered to be a number of elements that measure our quality of care as a whole. And there's more than 30 different metrics that have sub-elements to it that add up to a final star rating. And so for us, it's recognized as opportunities that where our data doesn't necessarily marry up to our care. And so we've identified challenges where we need to improve the way we either deliver the care or how we're capturing the data so that it accurately reflects what it is we're doing for our veterans. And in those areas where we are not achieving a higher rating, it gives us opportunities to redefine how we're delivering that care more efficiently so we can continue to move that star forward. And it, it is important to recognize that this is a continuous quality improvement opportunity for us and so that we are never going to be just done even at a five-star because you are always moving the needle to better and, and more intense care for our vets. Are there any particular areas that are a challenge for the Gulf Coast VA and what are the things that you're doing in those areas to improve? And I think the most important areas clearly it's access access for our veterans and the perception of what access is, because even though our data shows that our access opportunities for veterans to get into primary care or behavioral health may appear better, 
that the veterans aren't necessarily seeing that. And so we're trying to address making sure that the veteran understands that their preferred date or their desire to get into an appointment is actually marrying up with what we can give them. And so we've done that through increasing our hires, increasing the number of teams, making sure that we've got providers at the point of care where it's necessary, such as behavioral health, being available across the entire Gulf Coast. Are there any other areas that you're working on as well? Yes, we're actually trying to make sure that our care in the community is as efficient as possible so that our partners who we are using to help augment the care to our veterans are actually being given the authorizations to do so in a timely basis, as well as making sure that the records we have to get back from them get into the patient's record so that we can make sure that the care is there to make sure that the care is being deliberate and if there's any follow-up that we need to do to continue that care forward, that we've got it on a timely basis. I noticed you're wearing a pin that says, How's My Smile? And you mentioned that that is also part of this effort to improve. Can you describe what that is? Sure. We have a campaign called Showing Disney How It's Done because we believe that veterans' experience is paramount to our success. And so from the time the veteran walks in the door, we want them to feel as though their experience is a welcomed experience, that we truly have an interest in what their outcomes are going to be, that that veteran's experience is positive so that that first impression is also their last impression. And it's a one that comes with a smile. Now, you also mentioned that you have an effort coming up on June 13th. I think it's statewide for uh, hepatitis C testing. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. About 17% of veterans across the nation have been exposed to hepatitis C, and many of them don't even know that they've had it. And the newest medications that are available for treatment of hepatitis C show more than a 99% cure rate for hepatitis C. We are trying very hard to make sure that we get the word out so that veterans, if they've never been tested before, can walk in on June the 13th to any of our VAs across Gulf Coast to be able to get that test done and then find out what their treatment options may be. And if you've never been enrolled in the VA before, we're also going to have staff standing by to be able to help you with the enrollment process so that we can identify your eligibility and then get you into the care that you need. Is Jackson doing it at the same time? Yep. Our partners from the Jackson, Mississippi VA, so every one of the VA clinics in Mississippi is doing this as an initiative, but because we cross three state lines, we're trying to make sure that we're covering our Gulf Coast partners as well. Okay, thank you so much. My pleasure. The Gulf Coast Veteran System operates five VA medical facilities along the Gulf Coast. Coming up, researchers are gathering today to discuss progress in Mississippi and the need for a skilled workforce. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Pathways to progress in Mississippi could be laid out at today's Advanced Mississippi Conference. The University Research Center's day-long event will provide an opportunity for researchers to present papers addressing long-term economic challenges facing the state. The goal, providing information to policymakers, business leaders, and community advocates on productive ways to overcome challenges and foster growth in Mississippi. Dr. Andrea Mayfield will provide the luncheon keynote today. As executive director of the Mississippi Community College Board, she tells us their role in advancing workforce participation. My role in the conference is to speak about 
workforce participation and how that's changed throughout the years. And community colleges play a huge role in workforce participation because the community colleges prepare individuals with the skills they need to go out and and obtain these jobs, to go to work, to be able to do what they do. And the colleges, that that's a huge part of the college mission. Is there a difference between preparing a workforce from a community college education as opposed to a four-year college education? It's different. Workforce is workforce. The goal of Mississippi is to put people to work. I think that the pathway is just another opportunity. And there are a multitude of pathways in the state of Mississippi that are available to people who want to go to work. The community college offers several of those pathways, whether it's academic transfer, uh, which means they were, the student will ultimately end up at a, a four-year, or whether it is career and technical uh, or workforce training, which is short-term. Uh, individuals receive college credentials, and these credentials are portable. They're meaningful, and we know they impact wage gains. Can you give us an example of or examples of what a person will be equipped to do or can be equipped to do when they get an associate's degree? And when a student gets an associate of applied science, the student can be equipped to program the robotics that build the cars in these automotive industries. They can be equipped to be cybersecurity experts. They can be equipped to be coding experts for various business and industry, whether it's it's FedEx or FNC. There are also fields that are in high demand that we don't think about often until we need people. Think about your, your trades, your plumbers, your HVAC. You know, those folks are hard to find, and the community colleges do train individuals in those career areas. Depending on a location, for instance, near Toyota, the community college curriculum may focus on exactly what's needed at the Toyota plant so that students can graduate and go right into a job. Is that true around the state? It is true that the community college programs align with the workforce needs of business and industry. There have been continued cuts. How are the colleges dealing with those cuts? The cuts are are difficult. There are cases where colleges are having to lay off employees. They are simply not rehiring positions as part of attrition. Some colleges are putting on hold athletic programs. Uh, Colleges are reducing travel. There are lots of different mechanisms that each college has put into place to absorb the, the budget cuts. But to survive, they are doing what they need to do to make these adjustments so that we can continue as a community college system to prepare people to go to work in the state of Mississippi. Dr. Andrea Mayfield is the executive director of the Mississippi Community College Board and the keynote speaker, the luncheon keynote speaker today at the Advancing Mississippi Conference. Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Mayfield. Thank you for having me. The event begins this morning at 930 at Jackson State University's E-Center in Jackson.
Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio because coming up at 9 o'clock, we will have special live coverage from Capitol Hill. Former FBI Director James Comey will testify before the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. He will be questioned about his conversations with President Donald Trump and the FBI's investigation of possible Trump campaign connections to Russia. It's live anchored coverage with NPR's Lynn Neary. Did you miss part of the show today? You can find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB public media app. I'm Karen Brown. I hope you'll join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition. It's only on MPB Think Radio. Day was June 6, 1944. C Day is FBI Director, now private citizen James Comey, publicly testifies before the Senate. Next time on the takeaway from WNYC and PRI Public Radio International. Today at 2 on MPB Think Radio.